All right. Welcome to another interview episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I think this is going to be a fun one, and you'll see why in just a second. Uh, Sarah, we'll get into your bio and all of that in just a minute. Um, but you've used ads. I found you because you were using ads in rather creative ways to generate unconventional results. It's part of why I reach out to you. Um, I, I saw your story in Perry Marshall's New Renaissance Farm. So let's start with, with that. What unconventional result have you generated with a well-written, well-targeted advertisement? So I was flying from Antalya to Brussels and Belgium with a stop yes. in Istanbul. Because of the airline, I missed my connection flight. And it was around almost midnight. So I stand yeah. in line. They give me a ticket at six in the morning. I say, you're not going to give me a hotel. What, do you want me to sleep here on the floor? They say, go to customer service over there. And yeah. there is a long line. I waited for like two hours. And after two hours, they say the hotel, oh, you leave this building, you go to that other building, you show them the boarding pass. And I'm like, you're not giving me a voucher? No, no, just show them the boarding pass. And Basically, I needed to leave the building, go through security. I arrive at the hotel and the hotel receptionist say, they played you. Okay, I call the airline. I say, this happened, can you fix it? They say, no, 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 we cannot fix it on the phone. You need to go back. And it's already now almost two in the morning and I have a flight yeah. at six in the morning. And I'm not leaving that airport terminal to go to another one, stand in line for two in the morning. I for just sure. paid it. My mother said, no, you're not going to pay it out of pocket. I said, trust me, mom. trust me, mom. I've done this before. <laughs> so I, I paid the hotel out of my uh, pocket, even if the airline said, we are not going to reimburse you. And then while the next day I'm taking the flight, I'm using the airline Wi-Fi, in-flight Wi-Fi, and I created an ad on LinkedIn. I say, yeah. not only it took me three hours of wasted time. You haven't helped me. This is exactly what happened. Um, this is horrible. And who did I target on LinkedIn? I target airline executive, manager, um, who happened to be at the airline headquarter. I spent like uh, around $10, etc. I had an ad with almost 50% click-through rate. And suddenly I'm getting an uh, email from the airline saying the next flight, you're going to fly business class on us and please give us your banking detail. We're going to reimburse you. <laughs> Boom. Awesome. So um, if, if I remember the numbers right, it was more than a 10x or 1000% ROI um, with you know this really simple ad run on LinkedIn, very well targeted. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but I want to make sure that we do the bio so people know you know, what's what's going on here? So uh, Sarah's a Facebook ad specialist at Hootsuite and Ad Espresso. Uh, she has seven figures in Facebook ads spent under her belt in 10 years. And she's run ads for companies like ClickFunnels and Strategizer. When she started running ads for Strategizer, they were struggling to make 40 cents for each $1 spent on ads. So spend a dollar, make 40 cents. You know, that's hardly scalable, right? Uh, and she moved them to $18 made for each $1 spent. So huge success. We'll get to that success a little bit later too. She's written on Facebook ad testing strategy and execution for Ad Espresso, Agora Pulse, Blitzmetrics, Copy Hackers, Active Campaign, Adweek, John Loomer's Powerheaders Clubs, and the likes. Uh, she's even presented inside Perry Marshall's iconic 
80-20 Facebook ads course. So she is an absolute expert here. In her daily menu, she says, there's always room for a warm cup of matcha, sarcasm, and spicy vegan food. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So let's go a little bit back to that LinkedIn ad, uh, because I think that it was very well executed on a lot of fronts. Obviously, the ad copy is going to play a role. But tell me again, how like what was your targeting like on that? Because targeting our audience is such a huge part of any successful ad. On LinkedIn, you could target what they call CXO. You could target marketing executive. You could target people who have a management position. Um, If somebody is cooking food at Turkish Airline, I I don't care if they see my ad or not. Basically, I want everyone who's in the office in Istanbul being bombarded by the same ad. They go for a coffee break and somebody say, hey, Ahmed. Have you seen that ad about complaining? And then somebody <laughs> else, Fatima, come and say, oh, I've seen the same ad. And suddenly the fact that you're targeting a very small audience repeatedly with a campaign, it almost looks like a PR disaster, even if it's not, right? And people are yeah. like, okay, let's make her shut up. We don't want that ad running any longer. Yes, yes. And so it's like, I mean, you you said, okay, what's the city? That is the the headquarters. You said who is actually going to be able to like um, make me go away, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's going to be able to make me go away? And um, and so you were able to target just this this extremely focused audience, and then you were able to write something that for them would be like, oh, okay, like we gotta we gotta pay attention to this. I, I did um, it multiple times. I have a friend, yeah. she's a musician in Germany, and she rented a car with Enterprise Rent a Car. Yes. and she arrived there. They say, sorry, we don't have a car, and because of that, she's missing because she cannot travel from Berlin to Hamburg, or she have a musical venue. And normally, in the contract, in the fine print, if they are overbooked, they give yeah. you a car that is a higher category. If they don't have a higher category car, they should get you a car, even if it's more expensive from a competitor. But yes. often, many of those shops are affiliate. And they're like, if they say, no, 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 um, they're, they're going to save a lot of money. So basically... I targeted the Europe, the German headquarter of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I targeted yeah. the European headquarter of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> and I targeted the global um, headquarter. I think it's nearby Chicago, but I'm not, I'm not um, sure. And the way I did it back then was with Facebook ad. It's back then you could target by job title where people work. But yeah. even if you target by a specific zip code, you look on the map, where is the headquarter of enterprise car is probably somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's not in the middle of Manhattan. And you could target that geographical location and everyone who like that page because, hey, you work at certain company, you're more likely to follow them on Facebook. And yeah. for a very low um, ad spend, the manager who the day before said, no, 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 I cannot help you, called them, apologized, told them to come back, gave them a voucher for, uh, I don't know how much. And they said, next time you're, uh, you get the car for free. Because basically the headquarter intervened. I mean, the headquarter hates such publicity because for sure. they have rules and the affiliate are not respecting them. And whenever you don't, the headquarter come with a hammer to say, hey, you could, I mean, if you react like this, you cannot no longer uh, carry our brand. Yeah. So this, this like, uh, 
I want to zoom out just a little bit here because this is this is perfect copywriter thinking, right? This is this is um, I have this target audience and I want to put uh, instead of just instead of just like this really broad spray and pray or whatever ad, yeah. um, it's it's very targeted on on if I put the right message in front of the right people, that's going to that's going to get me the result that I want. I love it. Um, didn't you have one with a hotel group too? But uh, yeah, I, I want to get into your stuff. Yeah, it's the same, same. One. <laughs> you, I mean, if I could like... add something, because complaint ad get the highest ROI, the highest click-through rate, the cheapest click. Because at the end of the day, if you're at Mercedes-Benz and you say the car exploded and I lost a leg, they're yeah. going to read it, right? If you're going to tell them, hire me as a copywriter, it's not as attractive, right? And you cannot always run complaint ad for the sake of it. You don't always have a complaint, but there is yeah. a strategy you could use. Imagine okay. your Hilton Hotel. Imagine you, you worked for Sheraton Hotel and yeah. you used postcard to increase return booking and it, cre and it increased revenue from return customer by 5,000%, right? Yeah. And you write a case study and you promote it on LinkedIn and you target people who work at marketing at Hilton. You think that Hilton wouldn't want to know how you helped Sheraton get 5,000% by sending postcard. Yeah. It's relevancy. If you said, hey, do postcard marketing, they're going to say, what's that? that that's like yeah. so 1980, right? But if you say, hey, this is your competitor who does the exact same as you. This is the exact result I got them you're going to see your result from advertisement way more relevant and you're going to get a higher uh, conversion cost and you're going to grab their attention basically. Yeah. So like sometimes, sometimes we pursue scale, right? As marketers. And it is one thing to be able to scale to like millions of, of to, to an audience of millions. Right. Um, but oftentimes for businesses, what's going to drive the biggest profits is something that is way less scalable, right? Um, and especially when you're talking to service businesses like copywriters, um, I, I, I love that. So, like when I when I scroll your blog, I see you know case study, case study, case study, case study, and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, maybe maybe there's something to this, like being able to put those case studies in front of um, in front of competitors or. Uh, at, at least businesses that are similar enough that they would be paying attention. Um, it's a it, it, it's very smart thinking. Um, so copywriting, copywriting is is obviously like a huge part of the success of this too. You know, the targeting thinking is is one thing, but then actually being able to write that ad that gets the results. Uh, so let's let's from a higher level, like what is your number one goal when you sit down to write a piece of ad copy? Um, what's your number one goal with writing ad copy? So I think about strategy because I got known for writing ad copy, but if you told me when I graduated high school that you're going to write copy, I said, this is a joke because I was extremely good at mathematics. Um, okay. I studied in French, French grammar, horrible. I barely, barely, barely passed. They had to group and say, okay, we don't want her next year. And then I went to college and say, I'm studying computer science. I'm studying mathematics. 
I don't want to hear about grammar and French and uh, so on. Basically, I had a hate toward grammar if I could use it. And then I started um, not writing Facebook ads, but running Facebook ads. So marketing, so not even copy. And I used to look at client ad copy and I'm like, if I'm a user, this is pushy, this is salesy, this is not persuasive. I'll just keep scrolling. And I'm like, okay, they have a PDF they're promoting. They have an ebook. Let me download the ebook and read it. And I have ADHD, I have dyslexia. So that explains why I'm not good with spelling and grammar. But you give me a blank page, I cannot write. So I would yeah. sheet and take inspiration from their ebook or their webinar or their content or their podcast interview. And each time I read, I have, oh, okay, I learned something new. Oh, okay, that changed my perspective. Ooh, okay, that's a really good story. Um, I wonder why they wouldn't put it in an ad. I would take it and put it in an ad. And suddenly I see that people are converting, that people are getting 300, uh, 300x improvement on their previous uh, ad. But generally it's an ad and strategy at the same time. It's not just uh, copy. I get people who send me email, help. I spent $5,000 on LinkedIn ad. I got zero lead. I said, can you send me the ad? And yeah. it's a security company um, sending ad to their homepage. And it, I mean, no one is going to hire a security contractor for maybe half a million per year based on an ad interrupting people on LinkedIn or yeah. Facebook. It's interruption marketing. Imagine somebody who's on Google and is typing her doctor treating hormonal imbalance. You just raise your hand and you say, I have a lot of experience. I can help you. Here is my schedule. It's going to cost you $200 consultation. Now imagine I go to Starbucks. Somebody's having her coffee. I'm like, ma'am, I notice you're having a mustache. That's a hormonal (laughs) imbalance. She's going to throw the coffee in my face, right? (laughs) So Google is about demand fulfillment. Facebook, um, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn is about interruption marketing. And it's how you build the desire. If I take two examples from the medical niche, one was somebody who helped people with depression. Her own story is depression pill made her suicidal, made her insomniac, made her always tired. So if I tell her story, instead of saying, are you depressed and miserable in your existence? People were like, oh my God, I know this is my story or this is somebody I know story, right? People want to join the conversation. Another one, I worked with veterinary clinic and people would look at their cat and their dog. They say, the cat and dog is fine, right? Why should they go to the vet? And I said, you know what? Your cat and dog might have diabetes. You don't know it. It takes years to have the symptoms. If you treat it early, it's totally fine. It's curable. If you wait till your cat or dog have symptoms, it might be too late. They might have kidney failure and et cetera. And that basically creates the desire where they say, oh, okay, my cat looked good, but I don't want my cat to have kidney failure. That creates the desire. So whenever I do add, yes, I want to be persuasive. I want to be mindful that I'm interrupting people who are not on social media to buy products or services. And I want to think what is a funnel or where can I send them to create the desire? And sometimes I don't want to go to a coffee shop, go to a random stranger and say, hi, do you want to marry me? Right. 
Yeah. So like one of the things that I heard in there that's really interesting um, that I think that I think is the one of the major distinctions versus demand fulfillment on Google is you mentioned what's going to make them want to join the conversation. Um, and, um, and, and like, is there something, I guess, in terms of copywriting strategy that has, um, that, that you lean on that, that really, uh, provokes the desire to get people to join the conversation? Storytelling, storytelling. <laughs> um, I give you. I give you an example. Um, okay. I have a blog post on copy hacker with like over ten strategies how you could write ten different ads on different principles. For example, okay. I know you talk about invalidating the competition. So one of yeah. them, I would jump on a call with a client and I'd be provocative and I say there is three thousand three hundred twenty-two people who do the same thing as you do. If I just typed on Google, uh, why would anyone even choose you? And then they become defensive and they say why we are uh, better. An example was a fashion brand that sell maternity clothing. And when I asked the question, I said, well, we are made from bamboo. And she said, it's better than cotton for a number of reasons. But then they said the problem when you're pregnant you wear something and then you need nursing clothes. And then two years later, you never wear it again. And she said, my design is so smart. You wear it while pregnant. Then you unbutton it, you button it somewhere else and you could use it for nursing. And then when the baby is big and you never breastfeeding, you unbutton it somewhere else and it looked like a dress uh, for someone that never was pregnant. And just yeah. that part, um, help. Other thing is misconception, which is a misconception people have about an industry. Um, yeah. One of the example is about learning Spanish. I say, kid, don't learn a language faster. Kid have more free time. They are more persistent. And if yeah. you think about it, a kid wants something and you don't understand them, they cry while repeating themselves till they want it. They mm. might want ice cream and they say, ah, Kim, you have no idea what is that. They're not going to yeah. abandon practicing the language. They're going to do it till one hour to say, oh, ice cream, right? If yes. you go to Mexico City or Acapulco and you go to the Starbucks and you try to order in Spanish and they don't understand you, what do you do? You switch to English, right? Yeah. I'm not saying you, you need... Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to go on the floor and cry and say in Spanish you want espresso, but maybe if you didn't give up and switch to English and you try to persevere in Spanish, even if it takes an extra minute for them to understand you, you're going to learn the language uh, faster. So that's like uh, one of the way to, hey, what is a misconception I have about an industry? Let me use that to write an ad. And yeah. people use that to say, you're an idiot. We don't agree with that. Oh, that's right. Oh, my kid learned two languages. Uh, why I did not. And then somebody leave a comment. Yeah, but you expat, you think you're better than us, Mexican or Spaniard. And people sometimes, okay, this is something where people are might be fighting with, the, with themselves, but it's mm -hmm. still provoke a conversation. People are not, yeah. I mean, I had many advertiser where they hire VA to delete ad comment, literally. Because people yeah. say scam, fuck off for my news feed, et cetera, et cetera. And when you don't make a claim for the sake of a claim, you educate, you entertain, 
have a topic, people might disagree, but they, they disagree with the topic of the conversation. They don't uh, say what you say is not true. And that creates a conversation. People, it become like a one blog post I wrote for the Copywriter Club is about an ad that got 1,600 comments. Even in the nested comments, somebody would say German is the easiest language to learn. And there is like 50 reply. And it's a story that a Starbucks in a Spanish speaking area in the US, they wanted to put in both sign. They wrote exit in English and then they wrote exit in Spanish. Exit in Spanish means success. <laughs> and people basically were debating how to learn a language, uh, why people translate in their head when they learn a language and et cetera. And that's like crazy engagement. Yeah, yeah. And Facebook is gonna reward that because when you, right. when you have, uh, Anything that you have that is creating engagement on Facebook is is something that they believe adds value to users that keeps users on the platform. And that's, you know, their ultimate goal is is to have users staying on the platform or coming back to the platform over and over again. And one of the major ways that they they can measure that is is engagement. And and so they're gonna they're gonna reward you as an advertiser. It's gonna drive your cost down. It's gonna uh, drive your distribution up. It's going to create scalability. Cool. So how how did you get started in anyway, like in copywriting and in Facebook and other paid social ads? You said you were running ads before you were really writing ads. Can you can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Yeah, because if you run ads and the ad copy is bad, the landing page is not persuasive. Uh, the sale page is bad. It's not going to work, right? Yeah. And as an advertiser, I take a percentage of the ad spend. So I have an interest that any client I take on, they spend money and they make more money than they spend, that they're getting richer, not getting uh, poorer. Yes. So basically, if, I mean, back then, maybe 10 years ago when I started, if you tested the audiences, you did the A-B tested, you get creative with the targeting, you could really be other advertiser. And this is what I did. And I wrote a lot of blog posts about way of doing A-B testing that other people are not doing. Today, okay. the algorithm is very automated. It's very smart, which means the only thing that is going to distinct you is no longer knowing the targeting, knowing the optimization, knowing the A-B testing is people see an ad. Is that a well-researched ad? Do you understand the thought that is in their head? Is it persuasive? Is it pushy or salesy? When they go to the landing page, is the landing page clear enough about convincing them to either buy or enter their email? Um, if the person entered their email, do the email they get is just, hey, every 20, 24 hour, you forgot to buy? Or is it something that is persuasive based on a survey I sent uh, to the email list? Yeah, yeah. So, so you could it's... no longer do it in isolation because if you do it in isolation, uh, I mean, anyone can, I mean, even a 10 year old now can basically run ad basically on how automated it became with AI. Yeah. And so the, what, creates the distinction is the ad, the engagement, the customer experience beyond the ad. Exactly. Um, and that, that becomes your advantage. So uh, let's go back to the strategizer story. Uh, how did you get 
strategizer, almost a million dollars in sales and 1,866% ROI by going against the common wisdom, remembering that they started, they were spending a dollar to get 40 cents in, re yeah. in return. Yeah. So basically when people run ads, the strategy is potato is potato, please buy my potato. They just state what the product is, right? I yeah. knew that supermarket like Costco and MASH, they were getting 2,000% return by giving samples, right? If you're in a supermarket, you're going to buy some egg and milk and somebody is screaming at you, buy this brownie. You're going to try to avoid them, right? But if yeah. somebody go and give you a slice, you taste it like, oh my God, the chocolate and cardamom combination is amazing you become way more likely to buy. So I wanted to give people a pre-taste of the product and the product was a $2,000 conference. So I read their book, I watched their YouTube channel, I looked at their blog posts and I gave people a pre-taste of the value they have at the conference. And actually I went to their conference twice while taking note on my tablet, recording audio on my phone uh, to write the ad. And their ad that was like, hey, we I mean, they're doing an amazing um, work. I mean, they have a business book that sold over 5 million copies translated into many languages. Their content is top notch. It's just that their ad was not that good. I look yeah. at their ad and they spent like $4,400 and got only one sale. So you spend $4,000, you make $2,000, you're burning yeah. money, right? For and sure. I go and I tell a story based on... Uh, their YouTube channel, I say last year in 2016, there is 100 plus oil company that went bankrupt. The exception is Dong Energy in Denmark, where they had an IPO at 16 billion. What happened? When oil prices was high, they invested in wind farm. Want to know how smart company diversify their business model? Come to our conference. And yeah. when they saw the ad, they're like, for God's sake, Sarah, what is that? We're not spending money to push content. And I'm like, Please come down, look at the number. <laughs> My cost per click is 10 times less than yours. The CTR is five times higher. I said, okay, we're sorry. We're not going to stand in your way. And in five months, they made almost a quarter of a million on $11,000 ad spends, right? And then the tone from, hey, what the hell are you doing, Sarah? Why are you telling story? Went, hey, we made almost 800,000. Can you push us to a million? Yeah. That's, that's excellent. Like it's a, it's, it's, uh, it's such a great example of, of, you know, going from that, especially in the social context, like you should buy my stuff, right. To, to just what is going to get people. I, I love that coffee shop, coffee shop metaphor. And, and um, I, I remember when I first heard it from Perry um, where, where if you think like, if I'm going to try to engage with somebody at a coffee shop, I'm not going to be like, uh, come buy my book. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be like, hey, even like if I sit down at, if if I imagine like a, a coffee shop full of copywriters or at the bar at a conference um, after the presentations are done full of copywriters. Um, like if, if I were to say, hey, buy my book on, you know, copywriters get to getting paid versus Hey, um, uh, how are you getting clients? Like, cool. Well, I have this, this 
I had this fun example of this thing that I did with these copy, uh, you know, with this this particular client. And here's the story. Um, obviously, like that conversation is going to go very different. And then they're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, what other things have you done? Okay, cool. Uh, well, I did this other thing. And and I actually have a few stories in this book. Uh, are you interested? And um, boom, like it's a very different conversation. I love it. Um, so, you know, being a direct response copywriter myself, you're preaching to the choir on things like story or narrative driven copy, long copy, all of that. But um I'm sure strategizer is not the only client who has objected to long copy uh, and and especially like in the context of Facebook, right? Where there's the 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 news feeds dopamine deluge. It's just really reinforcing that shortening attention span, right? Um so what do you say to clients when they're worried whether or not people are going to read the story-driven copy, this longer copy? How do you as a copywriter, as a service provider, as an ads person um justify that? I mean, interestingly, I had a lot of people tell me that. So I wrote a yeah. blog post for Copy Hacker. And okay. Copy Hacker themselves had a blog post saying the copy doesn't matter. It's only the image, right? And actually, this one became their most popular blog post in 2019. And now <laughs> people are quoting my blog post. So people who are frustrated as me, now they have a blog post to say, hey, read, this is an argument that long copy work. But let me take two examples. The example of Strategizer is a conference that costs 2,000 euro or dollar based on geographical location. You're going to travel, book an airline, a hotel, um, take time off work. You think you're not going to read a long copy if you're going to spend $2,000. Uh, and the audience that I met there are people who are executive at BMW, at Air France, and so on. You're not going to win them with short copy. Another example. I work with a Shark Tank company. They okay. have a product for back pain. Their, their name is Better Back. And she told me, Sarah, I think our problem is the audience. I mean, they used to be very profitable. Then Facebook became more expensive. They started losing money. And I'm like, how many people on average in the US have back pain? She said, if you're over 40, roughly 30%. I'm like, have you thought that you're targeting the right audience and not saying the same thing? And imagine you have back pain. You cannot, you, you got like one hour of sleep. Um, you're thinking maybe you need to get uh, back surgery, et cetera. And you have a long copy. You're not going to read yeah. the long uh, copy. But I even think that patients in the podding, um, I have an example of an ad where I say, there is a parrot that used to speak English with a British accent, got lost, <laughs> came back a few years later speaking Spanish. And I'm like, this is the story on how people can learn Spanish because there is a story about, it's basically repeating common sentences that you hear around you at a high frequency. And you yeah. look at the comment section, people are not spamming. They're not saying, hi, I'm single. Do you want to marry me? No, people <laughs> said, I had a parrot and that parrot spoke three languages. I had a parrot, but one of my cat attacked the parrot. Um, and all the conversation, is exactly what is in the topic of the ad. So people read long ad copy, they don't read boring copy. And it's not really about long versus short. There are industries, hey, if you sell pizza and people are out of the club and they're hungover, you don't want to know the story about how your family grew a tomato um, in Italy. But the point is pushy versus not 
pushy. I mean, you, a lot of the style of long ad copy that doesn't work, like, oh my God, you're poor. You don't have money. You look at a Ferrari and you want to buy it. What would it mean to travel in a, in a private jet instead of economy? Now you're a loser working 20 hours per day for a five hour per, and they keep bleeding, 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 bleeding the problem. And it's a waste of time. You taught me absolutely nothing. You're just trying to make people feel bad for the sake of it. And you're making claim for the sake of claim. That doesn't work, right? People yeah. will, will buy a book of Harry Potter and read it. People will watch a new show on Netflix and watch it till four in the morning. You just need to make it interesting. It's, it's about being not boring, not about long versus short. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I lean on for deciding long versus short is the complexity of the offer. So pizza when you're when you're drunk is a, is a good example because, you know, like that's not a hard sale to make. One of the examples that I use often is something like paper towel or toilet paper, right? There's not a lot that you're going to be able to say about paper towel or toilet paper because the offer is fairly simple in the context of like, we understand what it is. Maybe when paper towels first came out, right? There had to be an explanation of what this was, right? Um, but but now it's, we know what it is, right? And it's 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 fairly easy, you know, maybe softness and price are two good things to make your decisions off of. Absorbency for paper towels. But you get into something that is a more complex commitment, learning the language. Uh, dealing with back pain or any other health issues, financial stuff, which is I've written a lot about, um, and and these things like that that old truism of the more you tell, the more you sell, really do apply. Again, going back to what you're saying, like you can't be boring, and you can't write the copy in a way that just turns people off. If you look at like you know binge worthy television or page turner. Uh, reading most often that is story driven and it's 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 stories that you can get absorbed in right and so do the same thing with your copy so stories are important and maybe maybe the answer to this question is uh, tied to that but do you have a go-to structure or framework that you lean on when writing facebook ads or for other copy you want to be mindful of the first sentence and I try to have drama in it if possible because the yeah. way social media show, they show your first two lines and then you need to click more. So the first thing would be a hook. And in the first sentence, you need to know what is it for. So in the example of the parrot, I don't say here is the story of a parrot because people say, I don't care about parrot, right? But I say- yeah. What can Parrot teach us about better learning Spanish? And if you're in the market for improving your Spanish, from the first sentence, you know um, there is something. Ada is a really good framework. Basically, I try to capture people's attention, teach them something they didn't know, change their perspective and educate them, talk about a solution, and make an offer. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that initial hook just acknowledging and if you use like the oh, i'm forgetting the exact name of it but the the facebook uh tool that allows you to um preview your your ad creative as you're writing it yeah um i mean you can you can go in there and you can see what it's going to look like on mobile what it's going to look like on desktop exactly. you're going to see what's going to show up before see more and really spend some time thinking about that what's going to get people to click that see more 
um, because that's the first engagement that Facebook is going to measure in terms of distribution and your cost in the ad auction and all of that. Um, so what's going to get their attention there? And then what's going to actually hold their hold their interest, right? Um, and translate that interest into desire for whatever my next action that I'm going to ask them to take is, and then ask them to take that next action. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always think of Ada less as a framework for writing copy as and more of as a reminder of what our copy needs to do, right? Like get their attention, build their interest, create desire or um, channel desire towards our product, and then ask them to take action. But it is like it's, I mean, if it's a framework that works for you, like it's a framework that works for you, right? Like, and it, it's it's great. Um, so um, let's see. In the context of all of that, then um, there's the there's the common complaint about social ads um, and something we seem to deal with all the time. We talked about the dopamine deluge of like people want new, 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 right? Um, the the common complaint is ad fatigue. So um, in the context of working with these different clients, helping them run the ads as well as writing the ads, how do you fight ad fatigue? Imagine a sitcom like Big Bang Theory. Um, okay. They play on Friday. Maybe they get 5 million view. They have a replay on Sunday. And people who didn't see the first um, broadcast, they can't see it again. Maybe they even translate it to Mandarin, Spanish, uh, Korean, and more people see it. But if yeah. every episode is episode one, episode one, episode one, episode one, people are going to stop watching it, right? The reason yeah. people would watch it for years is there is episode one, episode two, episode three, and even season one, season two, season three. So by having different ads that are totally world apart, telling a different story, different education, different concept, you fight ad fatigue. It's not a question of having an ad and you have a small variation where you say the same thing differently. No, 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 no. You need to say things that are as in season one, season two of Big Bang uh, Theory. And this is why in my blog post for Copy Hacker, I said you have like 10 tactics, like, something that happened in your life, a misconception, question people ask you, what is unique about you? So people who say, I'm not a good writer, but they're business owner, they could look at exact actual example of ad and say, oh, okay, I get it. Based on that, I could write those different ads. The other thing is about the offer. I did run ad in niche that are super tiny, like a SaaS company selling software to veterinary doctor or hmm. to orthodentist. In all of the US, I think there's like 20,000 orthodentists. So I would see the trend at an accelerated rate compared to people selling a product where the audience is million of people. And yeah. sometimes it's about changing the offer. So we might have an offer about how to grow your practice and then it becomes time management. And at some yeah. point, we were pushing really hard how to grow your practice after COVID. And normally, I would write an ad, and it do well for a while, then it fall on its face. And the cost per conversion, maybe now it's five times higher. And I wrote like nearly 20 ads. I'm like, nothing worked. And then the CEO had a conversation with someone said, hey, do you want to grow? And the person said, if I get more client, I commit suicide. Because during COVID, 
everyone adopted a cat or a dog and I'm working till midnight, my employee are yeah. not coming to work because they're on unemployment. I cannot deal with, uh, I mean, I don't want to grow. I want less grow. And then we changed. We had a webinar on burnout, on time management, yeah. on delegation, on how to hire people. And that webinar suddenly was doing uh, well. And you might have an offer and maybe it worked for one year. And just by changing the copy and the creative, you extend the life. And then there is a moment where you need to talk about something else. Yeah. So putting fresh offers in front of the same audience. And by offer, you don't even necessarily mean like our core offer, right? By offer, no, it, you mean, you mean that very first things. Yeah. 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 A lead magnet. A lead magnet. Um, so, so in the context of, 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 you know, social advertising, the offer is not my product that I'm selling. It's the, the first thing that I'm asking people to like take action to get right. Um, yeah. So do you have any kind of, um, so, so we're, we're totally, um, sympathetic in terms of this idea of of having lots of different prompts to come from different angles um and and come up with with different ideas um do you have any maybe more overlooked ways of getting high converting ad content ideas uh yeah. little strategies that you like to use i worked with an insurance broker selling income protection insurance and when I looked at their ad, I started looking at the comment section and people said, insurance never pay. Other people said, in the United Kingdom, we have unemployment benefit. If you got sick, you have sick pay. Why do I even need to pay that? And when I started working with them, their cost per lead was like 92 British pound. I'm like, why don't you write ads answering those objections? Because the objection is real life feedback about the conversation happening inside people's head. And just by, uh, and for each person who write a comment with the objection, there is maybe 1,000 people who scroll back and don't even voice the objection. And yeah. the result, the cost per lead went down from 92 British pound to 18 pound. And now it's at eight pound. And that's why <laughs> while spending almost 300,000 uh British pounds. So I mean they saved one, they saved a million and a half. I mean they got a huge reduction on lead cost. Yeah. And they saved like a million and a half. I mean basically they didn't pay Mark Zuckerberg an extra million and a half pound. But even if they wanted to spend an extra million and a half, there is no guarantee they would get the same number of leads. Because Facebook is a bidding system. The higher your budget, the higher you're going to pay. And even if you're willing to pay, it could be that you're saturating the market that everyone has seen the ad and people just, just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it, the, the, the whole bringing down the cost per click, bringing down the cost per lead, bringing down all of that is just, it, it's, a, it's a positive feedback loop, uh, creates advantages there. So I, I like this working with objections. There's a, another trick that I heard once that I've used, I actually used going way back, just like what are the questions you're getting from customers, right? Um, and and they, can, they can come across as objections. They can come across as just more of a sales question. Like all of these are little opportunities and it's about getting creative with that. Um, now, 
you also use like customer interviews um, oh, as yes. part of writing Facebook ads. So, so like, uh, I mean, I, I've already heard one great strategy here, which is to be a little bit confrontational. Like there's, there's, I, I remember the number exactly. There's 3,322 other people who are promising the exact same result as you. Um, uh, why the heck should your customer choose you? Um, I hear this using objections. Like, what else are you doing in these customer interviews to uh, come up with good ad fodder? So I did write ads for the Copywriter Club um, Accelerator Program, and it's a $2,000 okay. product. And I would jump on an interview where I have a Zoom call from 30 minutes to one hour. And when you have an interview, people are very fast to say, oh my God, it's a good course. And I would be, I don't care. Imagine I have a gun, I put it on your head and I say, give me all the secret that helped you get those results because I want to steal those ideas and I don't want to give the Copywriter Club $2,000 for the Copywriter Accelerator, right? So yeah. one example is Matt. He said, oh, the result I was making $17,000 per month. How? They helped me write a new website. I didn't stop there. I'm like, okay, can you show me the, all the new website, put them next to each other and explain to me exactly the difference? And it was things like, he didn't mention his process on the old website. Now he has a headline saying, you're missing revenue. And I use data to uncover that. He didn't have some of his result. Some of his result, I don't remember the exact, but it's in the ad. I helped an e-commerce company have 1,000% or I helped a charity raise 1 million. And all of that basically meant with the same number of visitors to the website, he was getting more sales. So another one said, I worked as a journalist and I was miserable. I didn't stop there. Imagine I'm writing a movie, right? And I want to have... Life is life. I mean, copy often is abstract. Life is not. So I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, they yeah. send me to bad client. And I keep asking. And he said, there is a petrol station that gave money to the, the newspaper he was working at. And he just need to go there and make a story from something very boring, right? Yeah. And sometimes I don't know before jumping. It, it just you need to go to the interview while being very, very, very curious and not being afraid to ask a lot of follow-up question, like if you're writing a movie script. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of John Carlton's um, sales detective work, which is famously led to his one-legged golfer ad, where he just kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. And if I remember the story right, it was something like two and a half hours into this conversation. The guy's like, oh, yeah. Uh, so I started doing this because we were playing golf um, behind like our our group was behind this this group that had this one legged golfer. And I was just watching this guy like smash the ball straight down the fairway and just making better distance than everybody else. And I thought, what the heck is that guy doing? Like, what's this? What's his secret? Um, and boom, like one legged golfer ad that became a legend in copywriting. So you have a free case study. Um, that's about getting 1,280% ROI by using customer interviews to write Facebook ads. Exactly. Um, I will include a link in <clears throat> a link in the description to that. It'll be the very first link in the description. 
what should people expect? Who is that for? Like, what's what's the what are they going to get out of checking out that case study? When you tell people you have 10 clients jump on a phone call with each one for one hour, people would say, what the hell? I don't have 10 hours. But there is amazing story that will help grow your business that you would never know if you don't do that. And I give you two examples. There is a copywriter, a friend of mine, her name is Tracy. She worked on the ad with me when she was listening to the interview and the ad she ended up borrowing $2,000 from her father to buy the course. Let's show you how persuasive that somebody who was supposed to work on the ad copy became a client. And yeah. we even asked in the group, um, did you see our, because there is a Facebook group for client, did you see our ad? Does it make you, did it influence you? And one person said, I got one of the email that is based on the interview. At first, I jumped on the webinar. I liked it, but I thought, yeah, that makes sense, but I'm going to DIY it. And then when I got that email with this story, I think her name was Shanti. I'm like, oh my God, that's my exact story. I want to achieve what she achieves. And instead of deciding not to buy a $2,000 course, okay, I'm joining the course. So this is like a technique that very few people do because they think it's time intensive, but... It's a gold mine. It's a, I mean, company that do it, it's a gold mine. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, folks can check out the first link in the description um, to download that case study. And that's also a way to get connected with you. If anyone who has been watching is more interested, perhaps in getting your help with running Facebook ads as well. Um, I'll make sure to include some links in the description, including um, that that article that that uh, was was the first way that we connected, which is about the the airline ads as well, because that's also a fun read um, and another way to get to your site. But um, number one, most important thing, most important action to take at the end of this is download that free case study. Um, so, Sarah. Thank you for everything you My shared pleasure. here. It was it was a very fun conversation. I I really appreciate all your Same thoughts here. here on on copywriting. Um, and to everyone who has watched or listened to this episode, thank you as well. I love to hear your feedback. Uh, action items you're going to take as a result of this. I'm Roy Fur. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.